The projects and opportunities I've had have come about because somebody mentioned my name, you know, when that opportunity arose. Giving people a chance, you know, I think that's a big deal to provide those same opportunities for other artists. You know, it's really important in the work that I do at All My Relations. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Native Lights is a place for Native folks to talk about our gifts and how we share them with our communities. It has a Minnesota focus, and we talk about, oh boy, a lot of things. A wide range of issues with a wide, wide range of perspectives, all while sticking to the core conversation about purpose in our lives. So yeah, how are you doing, Cole? Very good, very good. You know, uh, did you hear that, um, the update to the ongoing saga over there at uh, CNN? I have. I just don't, I just have little faith in a lot of actions that happen at some of these media outlets. I don't know. Maybe it's just because they're a really big media outlet. Maybe it just takes a long time for people to get fired for saying racist lies. Um, But you never know, Mm. right? (laughs) So yeah. the news is that Rick Santorum has been canned by CNN. Is it because of what he said, or is it correlated? CNN, they posted the, the article them, okay. themselves saying that it was after the, the remarks that he made. The, ra- the racist lies, yeah. Yes. I mean, yes. It's, it's pretty, seems pretty straightforward. Like, I think in general you want folks representing your company, especially news presenters to at least have the facts straight yeah. or say truthful things. You know, in general, I think that's kind of a priority. Um, and I'm being really sarcastic, but also really annoyed <laughs> yeah. at the same time. But I don't want it yeah. to take over my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, wanted to bring it up because I know we've discussed it a little bit so we can yeah. put a little closure to it. I mean, I, I don't know if closure is the right word, but, you know. Yeah, it's like a next <laughs> phase and then we'll see what happens next and... Mm-hmm. who's on their yeah. nonsense <laughs> next time around. But I'm really excited to talk to our guest today. Today we're talking with uh, Angela Two Stars, public artist, curator, and enrolled member of the Sisseton Wapitan Oyate. She's the director of All My Relations, which is a project of the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis. And she says her desire is to raise awareness of the endangered status of her tribe's language, as well as others, and to draw attention to the need for language revitalization efforts. I actually talked with her a couple years back when her piece was selected for the Walker Art Center uh, Sculpture Garden. So it'll be nice to get an update on that and her situation. Hello. Hi. Hi, Angela. How you doing? Pretty good. Can you uh, please start by introducing yourself and uh, where you're joining us from? Yeah, my name is Angela Two Stars. Um, I'm a member of the Sisseton Wapitan Oyate. I am currently the director of All My Relations Arts, and I'm joining you all today from St. Paul. Yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about a few things today, your own art and your position at All My Relations. So I'd like to start out with the All My Relations art gallery aspect. And can you tell me a bit about your work there? I am the All My Relations Arts Director, so I oversee um, the gallery and kind of the arts programming 
that we do at All My Relations Arts. Um, during the pandemic, we obviously um, shifted to virtual um, and remote working. So we really were able to focus on emerging partnerships. Um, so that was something that we were, we've been doing with the local organizations where we've been, uh, you know, doing placemaking with Native artists and kind of expanding our network with local organizations and, and uh, kind of being a, a bridge between Native artists and you know, non-Native institutions that are wanting to work with Native artists slowly getting into in-person events. Uh, we just had our first in-person hybrid on Friday. So it was really good energy, good event, uh, good to be around people again. <laughs> I just really love all my relations and it's such an important part of the community. I know I've had a couple gigs there and have had some events there, you know, just it's been a place for people to come together even, you know, and, and to have art around us and, and all of that good stuff. Can you talk a bit about All My Relations in the community? Kind of what role does it play? Oh, goodness. Yeah, we belong to the community. And that's the way I see it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and even during the pandemic, well, during the uprising after the murder of George Floyd, the gallery turned into a temporary food shelf because initially there was mm -hmm. protectors that were canvassing the community and you know, spending the evenings on watch to making sure that our neighborhood was being protected. Mm -hmm. And so there was initial call for donations for, for them um, as they were staying up all night and, you know, like mm -hmm. drinks and snacks. And, but because people were just wanting to help in whatever way they could, the donations became overwhelming. And, and because, you know, there was destruction that happened, you know, to the grocery store on Lake street. And so we just, we got the space. We're not using it. Come on in. Like you can, bring your donations here. And, and so that's what ended up happening. So yeah, definitely for the community in that sense. Um, but yeah, it's just something that I think is really important that the community feels that the gallery belongs to them. Like they can come in and, you know, they see themselves reflected in the artwork. And that's so important for, you know, our children to see themselves in their art and in their education. And yeah, it's just wonderful to be able to promote Native artists and to, you know, kind of have some artists that are pretty big deals, you know, like in our, on our walls and to, to have, have our community have access to, you know, quality, high caliber art exhibitions. So Angela, we always love to talk with folks about how they got to where they are. What led you to this spot that you're in right now, um, at All My Relations Arts. Yeah, you know, I actually, um, I had uh, my very first professional like exhibition at All My Relations Arts way back in 2016. Um, and so we traveled, I was living in Michigan at the time and uh, we came out for the opening reception and um, I was invited back to join, you know, the closing reception artists panel and that's where I was able to uh, meet up with uh, the project manager for the public art piece that was kind of in development at Bidet Makaska and you know I just so happened to be the you know Machpiawi Chasta is my ancestor and so when I saw that opportunity I, I, I wanted to be part of it in any way shape or form because that was the, a way for me to have access to my history so I applied for that opportunity and and was selected and, and that kind of brought me into moving here to Minnesota. Um, 
And my work at the gallery, I was also invited um, to curate an exhibition as a first time curator. Um, it was like a new project that they were um, implementing to, to help native artists in other roles aware that, you know, without having the experience we were given, I was provided a curator coach. And so that exhibition, which was the topic was missing and murdered indigenous women, which was a, that's quite a big, you know, quite a big uh, exhibit to create as a first time curator, but that turned into the Bringer Home exhibition, which has become a, an ongoing in installment show at, at All My Relations. And it was very impactful for me. I had a personal experience, um, you know, within my family. And so that really drove how that exhibition was shaped and formed. My grandmother was uh, kidnapped and murdered when I was nine years old. And so I had never connected it to the broader story of MMIW. It was just my own family's tragedy. So when I was asked to curate that exhibition, that was kind of like the first thing that I you know, recalled was, oh my gosh, this was, my family went through this. Like I have a story. Um, and so I used that basically like what, what I had witnessed from my family during that period of time um, and use that to guide and shape the sensitivity that was required for that type of show. Like we weren't going to do art that was going to be triggering, that was going to be, you know, um, exploiting families' pain, you know, and loss. And so it was really using that understanding of that need for sensitivity for families that are still experiencing the grief um, as a way to shape the art that was created. And it did turn into a very healing exhibition. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Angela. It's so, just to be able to have that sensitivity, like you mentioned, just plays such a large role in keeping that authentic, vulnerable, um, but strong, but like all those things that are put together that maybe somebody who doesn't quite understand in the way that you do. Um, so thanks for that. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Angela Two Stars, a public artist, curator, and director of All My Relations Arts, a Native art gallery in Minneapolis. Could you talk about the you know the work the work that you do right now and what kind of pieces you've done uh, as far as art? Yeah, my work is right now. You know, is kind of like based on. Um, kind of contemporary Native issues and language and activism. Um, I have some multiple public art projects in different stages of fabrication and in installation. One work is uh, with Forecast Public Art um, that's being installed currently. Did one with the city of Minneapolis, Narrative Mural, which happened to be for the police floor. Um, I was a former dispatcher. <laughs> And so I really had an understanding and, you know, um, kind of appreciation for those that work in law enforcement, um, which I guess is a difficult thing to come by for, you know, I did not realize in that process how um, hmm. fraught, you know, the, the relationship is with the public and the police, you know, and this was before the murder of George Floyd. And so the, um, the city had thought they would have a hard time finding an artist to fill that role, but here I came like, oh yeah, I was a dispatcher. And that really helped me uh, when I did my community engagement, um, speaking with police that I did 
that, um, you know, engagement with, like once I shared, like, yeah, I was a dispatcher. It kind of opened up mm-hmm. this door that they, they could share with me because they knew I understood the role. And, you know, um, so they shared stuff that I don't think they would have had it, had I not had that lived experience, you know, I'm also working on a piece for the Walker Art Center. Um, that was very much based on language and family. Um, so that one is looking to be installed in the fall. I'm doing a piece with the Ordway and also Winona State University. And I'm currently doing one this week actually uh, with the Longfellow neighborhood. It's a part of a kind of transition period between you know the devastation and destruction that was caused by the uprising last year and um, that transition into uh, growth and healing. So I'm doing a, an installation that will be over the course of the summer on the corner of Lake and Minnehaha. And then it will then turn into a 2D permanent public artwork. So I don't know if you remember it, but I talked to you, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago when your piece was selected for the, the sculpture garden, uh, the Walker Art Center. Mm-hmm. And obviously the pandemic happened. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about, you know, the status of that and just a little bit about the piece? Yeah. So it's, um, it's, you know, had some delays with the pandemic and um, kind of we're right at that point of launching, you know, the fabrication for a September install. That piece is based off of, uh, it was inspired by my grandfather who uh, was a language advocate. He'd worked with our, our, our language institute for the last 15 years of his life, you know, like created a dictionary and all these resources. And, and when he passed, um, I remember thinking that, you know, we weren't losing just him as an individual, we were losing that legacy of his knowledge. Um, and so I thought what a legacy that is to leave behind, um, that, that all that work that he did, uh, is a legacy. And it was much, I thought about how, like a drop of water can ripple across an entire pond, like one language speaker, their knowledge and, you know, commitment to the language can ripple across generations of speakers, you know? So like anytime I open up my dictionary, you know, I think like of, of the work that they did and that it's available, you know, because of their work and efforts. And, um, and so that's what I created was a sculptural seating that was based off of a ripple from a water drop. And it's also, a journey. So I like, as I've gone through um, my experience trying to learn the language, it's been this journey for me of understanding my historical trauma and intergenerational trauma with my grandmother being a boarding school victim, what that meant and what kind of parent she turned into, um, reconciling and forgiving her for, you know, basically like a a life, you know, that wasn't her fault. Um, and so it's also understanding how people sometimes don't take that journey into learning their language, or some people are just on the outside. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, I remember how to count to 10 in Dakota, or I know how to say, you know, these animals, and that's it. I took, you know, I learned in preschool, and that's all they ever know. Um, so it takes some work to kind of get into the center and through that work, there's a lot of trauma and uh, shame and feelings of, to overcome as you get there. So that's what this piece is, is inviting people into that language journey that I've been on and you know, kind of an, an encouragement for people to, to heal through the language. 
That is so beautiful, Angela. Thank you for sharing that. So um, I mentioned earlier that I saw you talk at the Native Media Conference held by NAJA, the Native American Journalists Association, back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a conference about journalism and media and all of that. And you were on a panel called Reporting on Indigenous Art. Um, I loved so much about that conversation from how to refer to people and how to talk about Indigenous art. Um, In fact, that night after that panel, I had a long conversation with some guy. I don't know who he was. um, A a bit of a debate of sorts on Native art, not needing to be like compared and contrasted with respect to a Eurocentric idea of art. Um, so anyway, I'd love to hear if there's anything you've encountered recently or if you want to highlight something about reporting on Indigenous art. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I think that it's it's fun how um, there's an expectation on Native artists, you know, it's, I mean, for and I speak of this in my own experience of like, you know, mm-hmm. this piece doesn't have anything about like language. And it's like, well, not all of my work is about <laughs> language. You know, I, I do other works like. I don't need the work to like scream native, you know, to, to be native, you know, like people have said like, well, you should do like a medicine meal because it doesn't look native. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, well, it is native. Cause I made it, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I designed it. Nice. Um, but yeah, I kind of expecting those kinds of elements without realizing like I'm an artist. So all of my work, you know, can look different. I can respond to things in different ways. Um, that doesn't mean that it's gonna look like what you perceive to be native art, but it doesn't make it any less native art, you know? So it's, I don't know, it's like kind of putting it back on that person of, you know, well, what's native art supposed to look like in your mind? Right. So then it kind of puts it back on them and their prescribed, uh, sometimes stereotypical ways of thinking about native art. You're listening to Native Lights, where indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're hearing from Angela Two Stars, public artist, curator, and director of All My Relations Arts, a Native art gallery in Minneapolis on the American Indian Cultural Corridor there. So, Angela, I was curious, uh, you, you spoke about these you know, personal uh, family experiences that have inspired your work. Um, what other ways uh, does the ideas for your work come from? Um, is it, do things just spark in your mind or is it like a very slow process? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a combination. I think things, um, community engagement helps to inform, you know, my public artwork. You know, when I did the piece for the city of Minneapolis, I was working with uh, the police or my work was going to be on the police floor. And so I did engagement with the, with the police and, you know, everyone I spoke to had shared, you know, that their number one goal, the beginning of their shift was to go home at the end of their shift. And they would say like, no matter how many police officers you speak to, they're all, they're all going to agree on that same, you know, goal. And so that was what my artwork shaped into was, you know, kind of that, um, like tribute to home. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what else shapes my work. I do a lot of interactive work. I like people to engage with my work. It's part of, you know, my, my work with language is, uh, you know, learning a language takes 
active participation. And so when I have people working or engaging with my artwork, I want them to be active in participating with my work. And so there's a lot of participatory interactive elements in the works that I do and create. Um, and yeah, I just, I see that happening a lot. And even my, my son mentioned that one day, he's like, you know, you have a lot of, I like how you, you have a lot of interactive stuff in your work. So that was a nice mm -hmm. acknowledgement and recognition from my child. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a big compliment, I think, yeah. from, from a kid. Right, from a teenager. Mm -hmm. Very observant yeah. and nice, mm -hmm. <laughs> positive. Yeah. Very cool. Cole, do you have a, another question? Yes. Um, it's a very standard question. Do you have any advice for you know, people trying to get into public art, you know, curation? For me, it's been um, how important it is to have like a network. You know, I, the, the, the projects and opportunities I've had have come about because somebody mentioned my name, you know, when that opportunity arose, like this piece I'm doing this week with the Longfellow neighborhood was because my mentor had suggested me as a person to consider, you know, um, and those are big deals. That's a big deal. And that's something that I like to do or, you know, try to give back in my work at all my relations is, is doing that same thing. I think this artist would be great for this opportunity and, and being able to reach out to that artist and say, have this opportunity is it something you'd be interested in and giving people a chance you know I think that's a big deal and I speak that from personal experience because my work at all my relations came about was because they gave me a chance like as a first-time curator which led into like me now being the director and, and then I take all these things and I shape it into the kind of director that I am and trying to help people have that same experience because I know the value of how important that was to me in my development as an artist and curator. So to provide those same opportunities for other artists, you know, it's really important in the work that I do at All My Relations. Awesome. awesome. Real quick, uh, is that thing in Longfellow with Longfellow Rising? Yes. Yeah, okay. I just had a great conversation with uh, Mina and DePunker over at the Pangea World Theater <laughs> about yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I thought I think that's such a great thing that they're doing there, making sure that uh, the rebuild there is community centered and um, with art and uh, the voices of people who actually live and work there. Um, it, it's really incredible. So, yeah. yeah, I want to ask for any final thoughts that you have before we say goodbye. Well, I gotta say, you know, it's, it's funny because like, I haven't lived here that long. You know, I, I moved here at the end of 2017 and I just really got, you know, folded into the community and it feels like I've always been here, which is funny because it's a part of that kind of reconnection with the land, you know, like I moved around a lot and no place really felt like home, like any place I wanted to invest in. So I didn't really, you know, take time to like make friends or be part of the community, you know, but when I moved here to Minnesota, I just really got tied into the community and elders and, you know, um, and I was just accepted right away. And also the land was like 
a place where I, I remember thinking like, this is where I could plant my roots and raise my kids and see them off to graduation and buy my first house. And, you know, and I've been doing that. And it's funny because it's like, this is actually my ancestral homelands. And I didn't even know that until the work at Videma Costco. Like the, all I knew was that my, you know, great, great, great grandfather's name was cloud man. And that's all we knew until I got that opportunity at Badama Kapaska. And that's really created this, you know, deeper connection with my history and with the history with the land that I'm like back home, you know, so it's, it's serendipitous and, you know, great to be part of, you know, the, the art community. I've really been embraced and accepted and it's you know been really incredible. In addition to that, you know, not only as a, you know, practicing independent artist, you know, my work at All My Relations is so fulfilling and so rewarding because I really love Native artists. (laughs) I get so excited, (laughs) almost like how people act around celebrities, you know, like when I work with some of these artists, I I do feel that way, like, and it's just exciting to be able to to see people succeed and to, to be part of their growth and encouragement and and to see them go on to do better things and, you know, because we took the time for them to look at their work or, sh- you know, sh- show and show their work in our exhibits and then to see them go off to, to con- t- continue to success is part of what's so rewarding about my job. And yeah, to have conversations with audience that don't know much about native issues and, you know, it, that's been what's what I enjoy about my work. Great. Well, thank you so much, Angela. I really appreciate this. Thank you. I guess I do have one question. What is the, what's, what is the uh, sign behind you? I have two Uh, signs. signs I have one that's Woksape. Yes. That means wisdom in Dakota. And then this one is like my daily motto. It's Ampetu Iyoki, Iyoki Dakota Iapi, which is speak Dakota every day. Mm. And so I really take Mm. that one to heart. But in a way that's not like, I can speak fluent Dakota. And, you know, it's it's like I make an effort to speak Dakota every day, even if it's like one word or phrase. Mm. At least I'm speaking Dakota every day mm. and what I can because I'm still learning. I'm still a beginner. and But I'm continuing to work and I'm continuing on that journey to learn my language. And, yeah, it's kind of just a personal acknowledgement, a reminder every day for me. And it's really great to see uh, the joy in the language now. You know, like when I take, when I go to language programs and I speak Dakota to my children and to really see, you know, when I was a kid, I knew two Dakota words, that's it. Mm. And my children have Mm. such a wider exposure to Dakota language and that's through me. And even though I, you know, I'm still working and still learning, I'm nowhere near fluent but I'm just going to keep on, even if it's at a snail's pace, I'm going to s- still keep on working that, learning my language. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, Chimi Gwech for sharing, you know, your story, your perspective with us today. Definitely. Stay in touch. Thank you. That was great. Yeah. I loved how she talked about having support and having people put her name forward for things, for opportunities. And Mm -hmm. then her work also involves supporting other artists, supporting people in their careers. It's kind of this beautiful circle 
of support. It's amazing to see, you know, yeah, the, the full circle of somebody given a chance and then they in turn give other people chances. So thank you to Angela Two Stars. Absolutely. Angela Two Stars is, among other things, a public artist and curator. She's also the director of All My Relations Arts, a native art gallery in Minneapolis. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamin. Gigawabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. If you want to hear more Native folks talking about their gifts and finding their purpose, search for Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, wherever you find podcasts, and find all of Minnesota Native News' content at minnesotanativenews.org.